Arthur Jackson here, a consultant in infectious diseases, doing the Staph aureus bacteremia podcast. A, this is for a blog podcast called infection.madewithopinion.com. Um, it's made using the opinion-based software. Um, disclaimer, this podcast represents my own opinions, does not necessarily represent the formal views or opinions of my employers or affiliated institutions. While I do make every effort to broadcast correct information, I am still learning. I will double-check all my facts, but please realize, as I do, that medicine is a constantly changing science and art. One doctor may have a different way of doing things from another. I welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. So today we're going to cover Staph aureus bacteremia. What are we not covering? We're not covering Staph aureus and how to manage it when it's grown on a swab, or Staph aureus wound infections, or Staph epidermidis infections per se. And we're covering Staph aureus bacteremia. Why is it important? Well, the reason Staph aureus bacteremia is important is that if untreated or undertreated, it can lead to huge morbidity and even mortality. Um, it really should be considered a deadly adversary when you find it in the blood. And the um, major underlying concept here is that there is a huge risk of metastatic spread of Staph aureus to other parts of the body, specifically the, um, the spine and the heart. They'd be the main areas you'd be worried about. It's also very important to realize that Staph aureus can easily spread to prosthetic material, including prosthetic joints or aortic grafts. Uh, one of the major concepts that I'd like to share here is it's very important to identify the exact syndrome leading to the bacteremia to the bacteremia and um, to make an underlying diagnosis, not just diagnosing the bacteremia. Uh, other major concept, don't undertreat and also treat with the best possible antibiotics you have available to you. So one of the questions I'm going to answer, what is the biggest pet hate relating to staph aureus bacteremia? Um, and one of my biggest pet hates would be people not properly repeating the blood cultures. Um, by repeating the blood cultures, it allows you to define the syndrome that you're dealing with. Are you dealing with a transient bacteremia? Are you dealing with a prolonged bacteremia? It allows you to classify it as either complicated or uncomplicated when you take into account other factors. Another big pet hate that I would have is that some people think that staph aureus in the blood is a contaminant. Strictly speaking, it possibly could be a contaminant, but I don't want anyone to ever consider a Staph aureus bacteremia as a contaminant, and I want it always to be treated. So what is something that needs to be known by every intern, every doctor about this? Um, I suppose one of the important things is that if you're told that there's something that looks like Staph aureus in blood cultures, um, you're unlikely to know is it sensitive Staph aureus or resistant Staph aureus on the day that you hear that the blood cultures are positive. These days with modern techniques you possibly can, but it's important to realize that two, two facts to do with the antibiotics. If you're giving a medication that covers MRSA, it will also cover MSSA, and that might be the most appropriate thing to do if you hear that there is likely Staph aureus in the blood culture. Um, without knowing if it's MRSA or MSSA. However, the other important thing to realize is that vancomycin, while it covers both, is not the drug of choice for MSSA. Therefore, if your patient is grossly septic, extremely unwell, you would make sure they're getting the drug of choice for both MRSA and MSSA. Namely, you'd probably give them vancomycin as well as flucloxacillin if your patient is extremely septic and you think they have a staph aureus bacteremia. 
The other thing that needs to be known by every intern about this is that you need to look for and exclude distant infections. So you need to look for cardiac infections, infective endocarditis. Pretty much every patient with Staphylococcus bacteremia needs an echo. Um, you also need to look very carefully for osteomyelitis, especially vertebral osteomyelitis. You need to thump on the patient's spine all the way down. And in keeping with that, and, and in a general sense, a full clinical examination from the tip of the head to the tip of the toe. And if there's any specific abnormal findings, you need to investigate that area more thoroughly to see if you can identify the um, if there is an underlying syndrome associated with Staph aureus. Um, let's give you some slightly more complex information that isn't necessarily what every intern needs to know, but um, for example, transient addition of gentamicin to either flucloxacillin or vancomycin used to be considered, um, but even though there was faster clearance of bacteremia documented, there was no improved outcomes and there was worsened nephrotoxicity and therefore gentamicin is not considered standard of care. It is not considered beneficial to add it to the treatment of Staph aureus bacteremia. Back to what all clinicians need to know, they need to know about the duration of treatment. Uh, for that, you, you divide it into either complicated Staph aureus bacteremia or uncomplicated Staph aureus bacteremia. Um, basically, you can get away with a short course therapy, and short course therapy means two weeks of intravenous um, therapy for the bacteremia. Short course therapy, two weeks therapy, can be given in an uncomplicated bacteremia, and the duration day one is considered the first day of negative blood cultures. How do you define an uncomplicated bacteremia? Well, one resource says you define it as where you find what the source is and you've identified you've got good source control obtained of the infection, for example, removing an infected um, catheter. Also, it has to have a transient bacteremia, not a persistent bacteremia, so a negative result of follow-up blood culture at 48 hours. Also, that the patient is getting better within 72 hours, so defervescing within 72 hours. Echocardiograph does not show anything to suggest infective endocarditis. There is no significant prosthetic material in the, in the patient and no symptoms suggestive of deeper or metastatic infection. If someone does not fit criteria for uncomplicated Staph aureus bacteremia, they need to be treated as a complicated Staph aureus bacteremia, which will require four to six weeks of IV therapy. And are there any esoteric facts or membership-level facts of information about Staph aureus bacteremia? Um, if you're treating native valve endocarditis, which is manifest by Staph aureus bacteremia, and the patient is penallergic but not anaphylactic, it's certainly much better to use something like kefazolin or potentially even kefataxime rather than vancomycin. Um, the vancomycin outcomes are not as good. Um, also, another interesting one that's a theoretical point rather than a definite point, if you're treating prosthetic valve endocarditis um, from Staph aureus, you do use flucloxacillin, gentamicin, and rifampicin, but many experts recommend you delay three to five days before adding the rifampicin um, to avoid a theoretical antagonistic effect, with rifampicin primarily active against the dormant bacteria in the biofilm. Um, and do I have a story or an anecdote relating to this topic? Well, I do remember a specific patient who the short story is that he presented to the emergency department about four or five times with back pain, each time treated with analgesia. He did get bloods, x-rays, and uh, general assessment, 
but on his fourth or fifth presentation to the ED, he was profoundly septic. He began, he very quickly became quadriplegic. The imaging um, showed that he the blood cultures were strongly positive on multiple sets for Staph aureus, and he was found to have epidural abscesses and vertebral osteomyelitis at multiple levels in his spine. Um, this was extremely serious MSSA disease, um, Staph aureus disease, which um, was occult or difficult to diagnose initially, and he died a year later from pneumonia, um, remaining quadriplegic throughout that time. So the fundamental point is that MSSA bacteremia is not to be underestimated. This is the end of the first overview podcast for helping, uh, hopefully, medical education, and hopefully there will be many more to come. Thank you.